Hello, homeschool friends, and welcome to this episode of the Homeschool High School Podcast from SevenSistersHomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I'm Sabrina, and I'm here today with a special guest. I am with Dr. Dwayne Cottrell, who is a choral music professor in our local area and also a friend, and a sometime homeschool dad from various past years, and... uh, all kinds of good stuff that seem to fit with us. So welcome, Dwayne. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Thanks. So um, tell us a little bit about what you do and how you got there. Sure. Um, I am currently the Associate Professor of Choral Music Education at the University of Delaware. Um, what that means is I basically um, work with students who are Uh, music majors, but specifically wanting to be music educators, so I teach some courses in uh, things related to music education, so uh, things like conducting and things like uh, music education methods, those kinds of things, Uh, specifically focusing on the choral side of things, the vocal side, so I direct a couple of the choirs as well. Um, I teach a, a class for instrumental majors on how to work with voices if they find themselves in the position professionally where they're choral directors, so it's a one-semester right. course, I do that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. I get to work with uh, a lot of really motivated students, a lot of really great, uh, bright, uh, good musicians. Uh, I actually started my career actually as a, uh, as a minister, as a pastor, so I was a pastor for a few years. Um, I did youth ministry for a little while and then was a, a pastor and a church planter for a while. Um, and then I guess it was about probably 15 years ago or so, I had a career change and went into, uh, I should say that I, I had majored in my undergraduate, uh, I was a music education major, so oh, okay. I, I was a choral music ed major, um, but when I came out of, of college, I, I didn't go that route, I went into ministry. Okay, um, so we're going to pause right sure, there yeah. and remind people that there's not one right way to figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life, and Absolutely. people yeah. do actually go to college for one thing and then make a career change and make another career change, and... Yeah, God's okay with that. So just in case you have a 17-year-old who is not positive what they want to be doing at 65, that's okay. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm living proof of that. Thank you for being um, living proof. Yeah, yeah. So majoring in music uh, as an undergraduate uh, and then was in ministry for a while. I actually got a a graduate degree uh, uh, related to that from a seminary. Um, But then I had this career change and I found myself back in a classroom teaching high school choir. So um, I taught a high school choir for several years and decided that uh, uh, maybe pursuing some advanced degrees in that uh, would be fun and might land me in a, in a university teaching job. So I did that. So I went to graduate cool. school, uh, got a master's degree and a doctorate. Um, in 2009, finished my doctorate and started teaching in, in universities. So, cool. um, so that's kind of how I, I got into that um, and had a, had a great experience um, uh, in high school in choir, and that was sort of the impetus for this part of my career. Um, Let's hear it for high school choir. Yeah, yes, I was absolutely. total high school choir geek, and then I had so much fun directing the junior high homeschool choirs in our local mm, area yeah. for about 10 years, and um, working with all those guys whose voices were in the middle of changing yeah. in eighth grade. That Challenging was fun. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. So why do the fine arts matter mm. so much? Um, we've been talking a lot I mean, we we talk a lot about high school electives just in general, but recently we've had kind of a focus um, on helping people understand their options mm-hmm. with choosing electives, and 
fine arts electives are a really strong choice for mm-hmm. a lot of people to make, yeah. but there are those who say, hey, I don't really see what that matters. That's that's not going to earn you a living, and that's right, not, right. you know, whatever. What do you well, think? Well, if we speak on the philosophical side of it for just a minute, um, you know, the arts are are so foundational in any society. I mean, you can we could talk, you know, for a whole series of podcasts about uh, the arts and creativity um, being integral in a society, whether you're talking about visual art and expression in that way or the performing arts. Um, and we can trace back, you know, historically uh, from a sociological perspective and see that every culture has had the arts and they right. have been a really instrumental part of that. So there's that whole philosophical side of things. But what I hear more often is what you just mentioned, which is the I can't, you know, I can't support myself with that mm-hmm. or that doesn't lead to a good job. And here's where that's a little bit misguided. If you look at um, surveys of employers, um, these are done very frequently by large publications, Money Magazine and other things like that, Investors Business Daily, things like that, where they look at what are employers looking for in people they want to hire. Mm-hmm. And in the last 10 to 15 years, what you'll see rising to the top of those surveys are consistently things like creativity, the ability to solve problems, the ability to collaborate and work together with others. All of things, all of those things, which are very, very much a part of what you learn in the performing arts. Um, When a person pulls out their music and gets their violin out of the case, they are immediately thrown into a situation where they are solving a a wide variety of problems all at the same time. They're self-motivated and self-directed and they're 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 conquering these issues and and thinking about, you know, multitasking, th- thinking mm-hmm. thinking about several things at once. Um, I have a colleague who likes to say that that you know, musicians make really good air traffic controllers because they're very good <laughs> at thinking about 17 things okay. in the air at once and and landing all those planes in in line at the end of the piece, right? Right. Um, so there are some tangible skills that do translate to, to any workplace. And so not necessarily talking about majoring in music, although we'll talk about that in a minute, but just any study in music, um, and I would probably extend that to any other fine art, although those aren't my specific area, but I know that study in music makes you valuable to many, many employers um, because of your ability to do some of those creative thinking and problem-solving type things. We talk a lot about high school transcripts because for parents who are homeschooling through high school, they are creating that transcript that then is going right. to go ahead of that kid into a college admissions office. And um, we talk about sparkle on the transcript that you can have all your core academics, you can have a solid GPA, you can have checked off all the boxes. But when you're stepping onto a university campus, they're also looking for something about who you are, what mm-hmm. you're going to bring to the community, what you're going to bring to the brand, because every university is a brand, too. Right, right. And by adding in some electives and often by including something in the arts um, among those electives, you're putting something on your transcript that adds some sparkle and shows a little bit about who you are as a person outside of your calculus right, textbook. right. And um, I think that's a lot of what you're talking about then also being of great value in the workplace, that there is perhaps more for this generation than for previous, and understanding that a well-rounded person Mm -hmm. is a healthy part of a community. Right. And people are looking for that. Yeah, and I think that in in this sort of... um, one of the things I heard a, a teacher say once, that that we right now, we are preparing students for jobs that don't exist yet. And to understand that this economy is changing all right. the time. So 
So to equip yourself for those jobs that don't exist yet, you need to be able to be flexible and to be able to, to solve problems and to be able to be uh, innovative in some ways. And, and that's where the arts helps you to think in those right-brained kind of ways mm -hmm. that um, you, know, you could have a great transcript that highlights all of your STEM subject knowledge right. and, and expertise, but that creative piece is, is something that might give you an edge or make you even more successful. Excellent. So. The other thing I wanted to mention, since you're mentioning transcripts anyway, and that sparkle, just to remember that transcripts, uh, and it, when it comes to university admissions, more often than not, those are reviewed by real human beings. Um, right. I don't do that as a part of my job. We have an admissions office, but I know they have a huge team of people who are looking at each applicant and looking at those individual things and, and, and saying, what kind of picture does this paint? of this person. So it's important to remember that there are real people reading those and they, they can see those things that sparkle. Right. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Because that's a unique insight that not too many mm -hmm. of us have. You know, we're not, we're not inside track at a university. So from the music department, music major world, mm -hmm. first of all, what are the different types of majors you could have mm -hmm. if you are a musician? Um, what are some of the things that you do to prepare for, yeah, I think I want to pursue music in college, yeah, yeah. Um, especially like high school juniors and seniors. Right. I, I would assume that anyone who's thinking of going into a music major has been studying right. you, you know, for years sure. and, and working with a, a teacher and all that kind of stuff. So we're assuming that that part is already happening. Yeah. And now you're thinking about making that transition. What, what's the process like? Sure. Um, Let's, let's talk about degree options first, and okay. sort of um, this this can be a little mystifying, I think, sometimes for parents and students who who um, are are beginning this journey. I'll I'll speak specifically about the University of Delaware because that's what I know, and then I will try to indicate where that can be generalized to other situations. Okay. Well, most of it can. Um, for us, and for most universities that I know of, there there are really two types of degrees, two families of degrees we can call them. There's the Bachelor of Music degree. Um, and there's the Bachelor of Arts degree. The Bachelor of Arts or the BA, you'll recognize uh, you can get a BA in just about anything. You mm -hmm. can get a BA in English or a right. BA in history. Uh, in history. Or, yeah. the, exactly. The, the thing about a Bachelor of Arts degree is it's what we call a liberal arts degree. Um, and at an institution like the University of Delaware that has a strong liberal arts offering, um, what you end up with is you end up with about 25% of your coursework in your major subject area. And then about 75% of your coursework is spread throughout a whole lot of different breadth areas. So areas of breadth of knowledge for you. Um, you'll end up taking English classes and math classes and science classes and literature classes and mm -hmm. philosophy classes and those kinds of things. So um, there's the Bachelor of Arts degree in music, which okay. gives you there's about 25% of your degree that you'll take in music. That degree is generally designed for people who are looking to... Perhaps here's a good example. Law school will be a great example. I know okay. for a fact that many law schools look very favorably upon, upon music majors. Um, so you could get a Bachelor of Arts in music, and then, of course, the rest of your coursework is, is preparing you for things that you can maybe take some electives that prepare you for those kinds of studies in, in law. And then you apply to law school, and, and you're in good shape for that. They really... That's interesting. That. Yeah, I, would, I, I wouldn't have thought that. of that as a connect, but it's, okay. You know, I, I find it interesting. I have a colleague who was telling me a story. Um, she has a Bachelor of Arts, actually, um, and she's a professor, at, at a music professor at UD. Uh, but she was talking about a friend of hers who, who after his BA, 
in music was sitting down with an admissions officer for a law school, and the admissions officer practically was convincing him of how wonderful his degree in music was <laughs> to prepare him for law. And I notice it too in my historical study when I look at composers throughout history, even back to the Renaissance, the 16 and the 1700s, so many people studied law and music together. I think there's something about the, the, okay. the kind of thinking that you have to do okay. uh, in, in law. Um, but that's just one example. So people who, who get a BA can go on to graduate school in any number of areas. Um, and, and music is, can still be you know, a part of what, what they're doing, um, even if their graduate work doesn't involve music. So, so that's the Bachelor of Arts degree. It's very uh, liberal. It's a liberal arts degree, and mm -hmm. you can use it in a wide number of ways. The other degree, the Bachelor of Music degree, we call that a pre-professional degree. Uh, and so we want to make sure that people who are heading into that route understand that, that that degree is meant to prepare you for a career in music. So there are two big options there. Uh, the Bachelor of Music in Music Education okay. is a, is a pre-professional degree for teacher preparation. So anywhere you go, not just our university, any university is probably going to have a music education degree. Uh, sometimes they are back BA degrees. But ours is a BM, so that means about 75% of your coursework is music classes. So it flips it. Yeah. Okay. And then 25% is electives. It's general. Just okay. a, few, a few smattering, a few of electives there. Um, and 75% of the coursework is music. So obviously you're taking much more um, music theory, music history, uh, performance classes, uh, more, more lessons, more ensembles, all those kinds of things. Um, so that music education degree as a pre-professional degree recognized by the state that once you finish that degree um, you have met all of the necessary requirements to apply to the state of Delaware for your teaching license Okay. and that's how that works. We don't actually license teachers, the state does that, the state does. but okay. if you finish our program you, you should be prepared. You're prepared, to do that. and all you have to do is pay the fee <laughs> to the state of Delaware, and and everything is done. Um, and that's pretty much true in, in any university. So if you go to okay. Penn State, that would be that would you know qualify you for teaching in Pennsylvania. We also this is an aside, but um, because we're in a very small area here in the Mid Atlantic, um, our university has. Um, uh, specific people in our education department who help you get certified in other states. So you okay. can meet the requirements for certification in any number of states. And we have students that graduate from our university who go teach in Maryland, who teach in Pennsylvania, who teach Jersey. in New Jersey, mm -hmm. and who teach in New York in New York State. Okay. Um, so all of those are, are, and in fact we've even sent them to Virginia as well. Um, so yeah, that's Yeah, we that's are in a kind of unique capacity. location yeah. for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And most of those states understand that we're so close, there's reciprocity between many of them. Okay. So that's the Bachelor of Music in Music Education. Now there's also the Bachelor of Music in Performance. And this is where um, a lot of people who dream of performing music for a living, this is where they're drawn and they want to go in, into, this, uh, into this major. This is um, designed to prepare you essentially I'll speak on, on the part of a vocalist because I sit in on the vocal part of the auditions and sure. hear vocalists primarily. It's designed for people who imagine themselves having a career of singing roles on the opera stage, okay. essentially. Okay. There are different focuses of different university programs. Ours tends to be a very classically based program. So um, if your dream is to perform uh, on stage in musical theater roles as a career, Delaware might not be the best place for you to go. There are schools that 
really do a good job of that. Um, Shenandoah University in Virginia has mm-hmm. a fabulous musical theater mm-hmm. training program. Um, obviously, uh, Tish in, in, at NYU has a fabulous musical right. theater program. And so there are places to go for that. And this is something that we talk about regularly. If you have a college-bound teen, it is really important to do your homework mm-hmm. about the schools that they think they might want to go to. You right. can't just do the whole, well, this one is close by, or this is where your older brother went, or right. y- you need to look into what the programs are because it's not one-size-fits-all right. by any stretch. Right. Absolutely. And, and there's certainly, um, there would be nothing stopping you from going through a degree program at UD and getting classical training and then finding your way to, to the Broadway stage. That's not necessarily out of the question. But you want to you wanna understand what the focus of the, of the faculty is, what the focus of the university is. So, for example, our voice faculty, none of them have experience with musical theater training. Uh, they, can, they can train students to use their voice in the best way that they can. They understand the, um, the pedagogical aspects of, of, of the style of singing that that would be. That's called belting. And, and they certainly would be able to do that for you. Um, but it's, it's not a necessarily the focus. Right. Um, we do have actually an alumni right now who uh, graduated a couple of years ago who is working in New York City as an, act, as an actor and singer uh, and, and working to get stage roles. He actually came through our composition program, but his primary instrument was voice, and he studied voice uh, with, with our voice faculty. So, so again, anything's possible in many ways, but you do want to kind of understand the focus of the university. This brings me to kind of a third category. Um, we do sometimes get students who come in and audition for us, and they they dream of uh, singing on the radio. They want to be a pop okay. star. They want to be on The Voice, right, mm-hmm. on NBC. Um, and again, our our curriculum is is more, it's set up more like a conservatory than it is like a, a school that would get you into that kind of music. Okay. So again, do your research, do your homework for for popular music styles and jazz. Um, the first school that comes to mind is Berklee College of mm-hmm. Music in Boston. They actually just merged with the Boston Conservatory, so now they have sort of both halves of that uh, that music world. Um, but things like that might prepare you more for that that kind of, of thing. So, uh, just sort of recap: we have the Bachelor of Arts, which is sort of a liberal arts degree, and we have the Bachelor of Music, which you can focus in either music education or music performance. But that is designed to be a pre-professional type of degree. And then, in addition to that, of course, you have the music minor, which many students opt for. And this is maybe a stupid question, but if you are going the music degree performance direction, are you going to be able to do anything in your field with a bachelor's, or are you automatically looking at, and then you'll be going to graduate school? That's a good question. Um, There are certainly jobs you can get with just a bachelor's degree, Um, and more often than not, performing, at least in the vocal world, is more about sort of um, what one of my colleagues likes to say. He's a voice teacher. He says, you really have to love the bohemian lifestyle mm. of traveling around Europe and sleeping on people's couches and just, <laughs> just so you can get that, that third supporting role in that Verdi opera and you, know, and you spend weeks doing you know, It's about sort of paying your dues as a young vocalist. It takes the voice okay. a while to mature, and you're not going to get a lead role in you know, the the Met or even in like Houston Grand Opera or something like that as as a young 20-something. Mm-hmm. But there are plenty of music festivals, summer festivals, programs that you can go in and, and, and sort of gain that experience. You're right, though, that a lot of people do choose the graduate school option because I think a couple of things. Number one, it's more of a sure bet. You can... You can get into graduate school, and you'll be assured of more study, more practice time, more time on stage, mm-hmm. more roles that are available to you. So when you come out of graduate school, you can say, 
okay, now I'm 24, 25, and I've sung these lead roles right. in these opera productions, okay. um, and you have that on your resume. So it, it helps to build the resume as well. The ultimate thing uh, for a singer in terms of that kind of classical vocalist uh, stuff is, is the resume, is what roles have you sung, um, in what in what houses and you know are they A level houses B level C level, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, for instrumentalists, uh, I'm not as familiar with that, but I know that there are um, again the same kind of thing. You can find symphony orchestras in um, in big cities, but you're not going to get into those right out of your undergraduate. Right. You're going to find symphony orchestras in smaller cities uh, that you know these are professional gigs. Um, and and a lot of a lot of musicians find themselves in a situation where they're supporting themselves by playing in symphonies, but also by teaching on the side okay. part time, right? And so um, that's something where again the graduate degree helps you to build up your teaching pedigree as well, because you can um, even as a graduate student you can get more teaching hours and you can sure. get more, more study on your instrument as well. Sure. Okay, so what's a red flag? We've got um, an imaginary family, and they have a kid who appears to be very gifted, mm -hmm. who has been um, who has been working with teachers and um, is trying to decide, like maybe tenth grade, and they're kind of looking at, wow, is this really the route we're going to go? What are some of the red flags that you might say if if you learned about this uh, about this kid that you would say, oh, okay, hold on, mm -hmm. that might not actually be the way you want to go, and you might want this to be a avocation, a hobby, uh, sure, something. Sure, yeah. There, well, a couple of things come to mind. Um, and, and specifically, um, in the case of homeschooling, um, I didn't mention this in my introduction, but I homeschooled my own kids um, up until um, fifth grade and seventh grade. Um, mm -hmm. when we put them in, in school uh, just a couple of years ago for that. Um, so I do have a little bit of understanding of how homeschooling works. And, and one of the things that, that we find as we audition people um, who come in and want to be music majors, I find it, it, not necessarily a red flag, but I find it a little curious sometimes when students come in and they say, I want to be a music education major, and they've been homeschooled all the way the through. The whole way through. It mm -hmm. makes me wonder, well, if you've not been inside a public school and don't really know how a public school works, how can you be sure? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's a no. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that let's just talk a little bit more about what do you right. think it means to be a teacher in a public school. Um, because, again, what our students learn all the way through their four years is it's more than just the music. It's you're right. a, As a public school teacher, there's a whole host of, of things that go with that. Um, and they're not bad. They're just, they're you have just, to understand, what, understand. what that, right. that role entails. And so I could fit that under a larger category, I think, of unrealistic expectations. Um, okay. To me, that's the biggest red flag. When a student comes in and auditions or is talking to us about auditioning, um, and again, they might say something like, I just want to sing at the Met. And while that's a great dream, and I certainly don't want to say that you couldn't do that or that that's not a possibility, I would want to know more. What do you mean by that? How do you, how do you want to get to that role right. at the Met? Are you willing to do all of the work beforehand? Like I mentioned before, are you willing to sing these tiny little minor roles in these very small towns where nobody's ever heard of you and you're making pennies? You know, Are you right. willing to do that? Do you love singing so much that you just want to sing anywhere, anytime, anyplace right. and hope that one day you get to the Met? That's a different dream than right. saying, I want to graduate from college and, and step on stage be, at the Met. Right, and know? be in this place. Mm -hmm. Right, so, so to me it's about understanding the expectations of what a career in music actually takes and, and um, it goes back to that passion and that love. We, when we audition students at the University of Delaware, I don't know how other universities do it, we always interview our students 
like they'll sing for us the two songs you're supposed to sing and then we say all right come over here step step over here and have a seat and then we have a conversation with them and what we're what we're looking for in that conversation is where's the passion where's the interest where's the excitement um you know is this something that that they wake up every morning and just have to be part of making music um, and if we see that, then we'll find a place for them, and we make sure that we try to fit them in. If they have the talent uh-huh. um, and the training, um, or the potential. Sometimes we have students come in who have and it's just raw, little, but it's raw, it's but there. we can sense that there is some potential there. Yeah. And our our voice faculty is very good at sensing in in just in just a couple of performances, a couple of pieces, whether or not you have the ability to to work on something or shape something. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, it's cool. it's that malleability and it's that that passion for music that we look for so i'm just going to throw a shameless plug in here but it's for a free item so it's really okay Mm -hmm. um a lot of what we're talking about is what vicki tillman who's one of the sisters at seven sisters is so passionate about with career exploration for teens and um if you have not bothered to download it there's a freebie at the seven sisters homeschool.com website that is the career exploration questionnaire and it's just a place to get started um but one of the things that that encourages teens to do and that the career exploration curriculum that, that um, Vicki has developed does is to look at things like, so what kind of lifestyle do you really want to live? Not just what career do you think you would be good at, but you know, are you willing to travel around sleeping on people's sofas? And, right. and you know, are you someone who um, really wants to be close to and connected to family? And you're not going to want to just have to pick up and move and go live here for three months and then go live there for three weeks. Right. Um, are you someone for whom financial stability is very important? Are you someone who really likes routine and and finds security in that? Because these kinds of things matter just as much as exactly what your talent is. Absolutely. And um, so examining those things is really taking a close look at the person that God designed your kid to be mm-hmm. and helping them take a look at that and, and say, okay, this is kind of what I'm wired for, and I'm really good at this one thing, but I'm not sure it fits with the rest of my wiring. And, and yeah. you want to encourage your kids to be true to who they are as they step out of high school and into adulthood. So. I, would, I would absolutely agree with that. And that makes me think of a couple of things. Um, uh, number one, for myself, in, in choosing the route of graduate school and college professor, lifestyle was a huge part of that choice, right? Mm. We wanted, my family and I, we wanted the lifestyle of a college professor. We wanted a, a close community in a college town kind of a thing. Um, but as you mentioned, the flip side of that was we knew that that if I was going to be willing, that, that if I was going to to want that career, I would have to be willing to go anywhere in the country. Mm-hmm. And so, from my graduate program, which was in Texas, I went to my first job, which was in Portland, Oregon, uh, to my second job, which is here at the University of Delaware. So, literally, have moved That's across the whole the country. country. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that was something we were willing to do because we wanted the the, the lifestyle of of teaching in college. Um, the other thing it makes me think of, speaking of shameless plugs, that homeschoolers are really set up nicely for this, uh, and but maybe you haven't thought of it. Um, we we have wide open doors for high school students to come sit in our classes and sit in our rehearsals and see what it's like to be a music major. Get we, out, really? No, really. We we have a, we have official <laughs> experiences where that happens. Um, once a year, we have. Music major weekend where where students who've been admitted as music majors can all come and experience it together. But all the time we get students who who visit uh, or who ha- make contact with me, and I tell them come to campus, spend a day. I'll give you a student to shadow. You can follow that student around all day long so to cool. all the classes they go to. You can sit in our rehearsals. 
understand what it feels like to sing in the UD Chorale or what it might be like to play in the UD Symphony Orchestra. Right. Um, and you spend a whole day doing classes um, and you know we'll chat with you. We can you can talk to our admissions person. And I say homeschoolers, of course, are set up nicely for that because you you know other there. students have to actually miss a day of school right. for that official right. college visit. Um, but no, we are totally open to that. And I honestly don't believe that UD is the only one who mm -hmm. would be. So mm -hmm. find the college you're interested in and call them up, specifically the music department if you're thinking about music. Okay. And say, can I sit in and 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 take some classes? Um, Excellent. So that works really well for us. Other majors, it's different because, um, you know, I don't know that you could call up the biology department and find a biology major to follow all day long. But and maybe you could. Who knows? Give maybe, it a try. Sure, if, give if it a you try. Want to follow Absolutely. a biology student but around, give it a we're shot. We're a small enough department and a small enough community that we specifically have a uh, an advisor for the music department who coordinates all that stuff and. You know, find a professor who directs the choir or, mm -hmm. or directs the mm -hmm. band and, and just shoot him an email and say, hey, is this a possibility? Excellent. Yeah. That is great practical strategy. Yeah, mm -hmm. do it. Okay, so takeaway. Um, your best musical advice for a teen who is thinking maybe they're going to go for this and they've still got some time in high school. What should they do? Well, I think it goes without saying, you mentioned earlier, that, that they would be in lessons. Um, it's really important for us that we know the student is serious about studying their instrument and getting better on their instrument uh, and that sort of thing. I think the biggest takeaway is make sure you know first of all what you want and second of all what the college or university is expecting from you in the audition process. Oh, okay. So that's not just universal one size fits it's all. It's not well, it's it's not necessarily universal one size fits all and it's oftentimes um, surprising when students come in without that understanding. Um, I'll give, give you a story. We've had students who've come in, they walk into the audition room with guitar in hand, and they say, I'm going to play you a pop song that I wrote. And they're auditioning to be a music major. Great musician, played guitar really well, sang a wonderful original song, which, you know, it's great. But that's not what we do, what we do. as right. a university, and, and we were not in a position to be able to help that student right. further their career. And so they hadn't done their homework. They hadn't understood what we expect from a music major, and they hadn't really understood what it what was entailed in being a music major. So and and that's life skill training. That's got nothing sure. to do with talent or musicianship. Sure. That's and that's something we talk about regularly. Is you, before you graduate from high school, you should learn how to read things carefully, and you right. should learn how to follow protocol from whether it's motor vehicle or whether it's <laughs> sure. the you know sure. admissions yeah. at, at the university you want to go to. And yeah. so in a situation like that, you know, I. I she would have had a great, warm reception at, like I mentioned, Berkeley, Berkeley College of right. Music in Boston, who, who's looking for young pop musicians who they can hone and develop that. Right. We are looking for something different. So, so yeah, understand what the university is looking for or the department or whatever is looking for. Once you do that, it's, it's fairly universal. We, we ask for two for vocalists. We ask for two contrasting selections, two songs uh, in a foreign language, um, at least one in a foreign language. Um, and, uh, and that's the kind of stuff you would be working kind of on with you, your private teacher. Absolutely, anyway, and, you know. Mm -hmm. um, in addition to lessons, if, if you're in a lesson situation where, you're, uh, where your teacher does not have you doing recital work, mm -hmm. that would probably be really valuable to do. Okay. Um, at least one recital per year, maybe two recitals a year, where you're standing up in front of people presenting right. music uh, in a polished right. way. Um, that's something that's, that's important to understand, um, to be able to do that. We're looking for that, so... Um, it's yeah. funny, there's kind of a, a myth that um, anybody who's listening who has musical kids may have encountered. And we have found that 
there are people who assume if you homeschool that you think your kid is talented, but you probably haven't gotten them in touch with any real musicians. So, you know, and the idea that um, actually you can you can hire really good instructors if you pay them yeah. what they're worth. You, you can find them yeah. and hire them. So you can get your kid into um, really excellent top-level instruction if they're musically talented. The flip side is that um, homeschoolers are thought to have an unfair advantage because they have this unlimited time to practice because they don't have to do any real school. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, anyone who is homeschooling high school for right. their kids knows that right. that's not really how it works. And if your kid wants to pursue music at the college level, they're also doing calculus and sure. liter- literature analysis and all of those things because they need a high school transcript and they need a legit high school transcript. Mm-hmm. So um, there's there's this funny thing. You, you need... You need a teen who is willing to practice and practice and practice and practice and practice mm-hmm. and also be a well-rounded high school student who is doing core academics and has a social life and right. is physically active and all those right. other things. So, Yeah, no, I think that's... I, I do... Um, just a curiosity of mine, I do a lot of research on, on the phenomenon of practice and the making of an expert. And so um, there's a, a researcher, Kay Anders Erickson, who's done a lot of work on this. And you may be familiar with the 10,000-hour rule. Oh, yeah. It's sort of become famous now. Um, and his research sort of showed that 10,000 hours is the ballpark figure for someone to become an expert in something. Um, for music, it tends to be a little higher. Uh, it tends to be about 15,000 hours. But um, but but the part of that research that's intriguing is the idea that it's got to be a specific kind of practice. Um, a deliberate practice, which we can't get into today, but but it's a very specific way of practicing that is okay. uh, much more effective than just sort of running through okay. things. Uh, but but on the surface of that, the reason I bring it up is because the clear demarcation between those who succeed in something like music and those who do not succeed is simply practice. Mm. Um, and so that would be the other piece of the puzzle, assuming you're taking lessons, assuming you're um, uh, doing recital work, the practice, maybe that, maybe that, should go without saying, but it doesn't <laughs> yeah. always necessarily. God's sake. Um, practicing, understanding how to practice, how to refine your own performance by just, you know, getting in that room and playing your instrument until it's, you know, right. Mm. Um, anyway, so yeah, practice is a, is a huge thing. Excellent. Yeah. All right. We hope this has been helpful to those of you who have musical teens because it is a wonderful option to explore as you're uh, moving through high school and looking toward what's going to come after homeschool high school graduation. Um, so thank you very much, Dwayne, for taking the time to talk with people. Thanks for having me. And if you are looking for more career exploration materials that will uh, help you kind of dig into some of this, be sure that you come by the ebook store at sevensistershomeschool.com. There are a number of free resources there tied to career exploration, as well as a workbook and then um, a bundle of curriculum resources that are all aimed in that direction. That wraps it up for today's episode of the Homeschool High School Podcast from SevenSistersHomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. 